Hey, my name is Chris Jensen, and this is a special series of my life, and welcome to it, called It's Not About Me, It's About Us, where I interview my friends one at a time to talk about things we know about each other, how we met, common experiences, new things, and basically how we are living through this time period with uh, with the coronavirus disease. So sit back and enjoy as you listen to this episode's interview. Hey, Victor. Hello, Chris. Good morning. Good morning, good morning. Meet Victor Amador, my guest for today. At the beginning of the call, he was more of an acquaintance than a friend. But by the end of the call, he was certainly a friend. We start this interview talking about a mutual friend of ours, and the production of Masses and Prayer Services, which are live-streamed from the Cathedral of the Blessed Sacrament here in Sacramento, California, and which can currently be seen on Facebook, YouTube, or Vimeo. This interview was recorded on March 28th. A lot's happened since then. Um, But I think what we talked about can still be current. So, let's get into it. You know, I just, I talked to Titi this morning and I asked her if she'd be willing to do an interview and she said, for sure. So, um, that's, it, it is interesting. Um, she shared with me some things that are going on that are happening with the setup and um, sometimes it hasn't worked and it's, it's just been a very interesting, she's got some good stories to share, I think. So I'm not going to steal her thunder on that. Oh yeah, don't steal it. But I know. yeah, it's really cool. It's been cool. I've, I think for me, um, being someone who's relatively new to the cathedral, I mean, you know, I've been in the parish for what maybe six months, at, like maximum six months, and it's it can be kind of intimidating sometimes being there where there's people who've been there for like years and years or their whole life. But I feel like I've been very blessed to be able to become such a big part of the community in such a short time. So I yeah, I think I really met you. Cool maybe, to, I, I must have met I must have met you shortly after you started coming to the cathedral. Then, because we haven't known each other. I mean, it's, I know it's less than a year, so it's mm-hmm. only been a few months. But you, yeah, because I've only lived in Sacramento for like seven months. So one, I was just going to you know mention that even even people who have been. Going a long time to the cathedral, they don't know each other. So let me tell you a little story. Um, it was it was the last Sunday where we held uh, public mass. I didn't. Okay. Nobody knew that it was going to be the last Sunday we were holding public mass, but it, they'd already, you know, spread the word. Um, no, you know, no groups over fifty, not a whole bit, right? So I'm there mm-hmm. at the, at the seven thirty mass in the morning, seven thirty a.m. And there's like I don't know, maybe five people in the pews. It's ridiculous. Okay. But in the pews is this family, the mom and, and a dad and a daughter. And I think the mom and dad are, are my age, so it's an adult daughter. Um, Oops. Yeah, it's okay. 
Um, there we go. Yeah. And uh, they've been, I mean, they are, they are like every Sunday without fail, mm-hmm. right? And when they're not there, it's noticeable. And they've been doing that since I've been going. So that means it's been over 10 years. And I don't know them. Oh, I man. never met them. I don't know their names. And I'm thinking, you know, this is a weird time. Why don't I introduce myself? So I, it just so happened on that Sunday, I introduced myself. I learned their names. Um, and then after the mass was canceled, not canceled, canceled, but, you know, no, no more public mass. Suspended. Suspended, yeah. yeah. So I'm like, well, that was, that was, um, that was very timely to do that introduction. Because, uh, you know, we, 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 we looked at each other and we nodded in, in acknowledgement, but we never actually spoke to each other or knew each other's names. And so... And we've been, I mean, we've been doing that for years. So even, you know, um, wow. people, and people know you. So you're doing a good job of integrating. You're doing a really good job of integrating. Where are you, where are you from? So I am from Sacramento, but I've lived in Portland for the last six years. I see. And when you, have, um, have you been Catholic your whole life? Yes. Yes. I was raised Catholic, though it is kind of funny, um, yeah, so I raised Catholic and was very involved in high school. I was actually so I went to Jesuit high school here in Sacramento. Okay. And I was the religious coordinator and so I was very active in my faith and then um when I moved to Portland, so I went there for school. So I lived there so I went there for school for four years, graduated, and then lived there for um two years after that. I just see. lived in Portland. And what mm-hmm. uh, what parish did you grow up in? I grew up at St. Mel's. In Fair Oaks. Oaks. Okay, I didn't know where that was. Okay. Yes, yes. yes. In in Fair Oaks. And what brought you, when you came back to Sacramento, what brought you to the cathedral? Well, so it's funny. I've always had a, um, always had a draw there. So my parents got married there. Okay. Um, Yeah. Of course, you probably weren't um, there for that. No, I was not there. (laughs) I missed it. I had a prior engagement um, of not being born yet. And then, uh, what else? There was some, uh, so yeah, so my parents were born there and they, or not, they weren't born there. They were <laughs> married there. And then, um, we have a close, we, my mom and some of my relatives are very close with Monsignor Murphy. Oh, sure. He was, he was, he was the rector. He was the rector of the cathedral when I started. Yeah. So yeah. So we would go there for mass with him sometimes. And then he would do some of our family masses. So we always had that tie with the cathedral. Hmm. And then other thing is I'm part of, I'm related to the Romos. So I'm part of the Santo Toribio crew. Oh, you are. He's my confirmation saint. Saint Toribio Romo was a Roman Catholic priest in Mexico in the 1920s. It was a time in Mexico's history when the... uh, Mexican government was doing everything it could to stamp out the uh, the Catholic Church. And uh, a war ensued. It was called the Cristero War. And um, one day, uh, Father Tribio Romo was uh, in the little, uh, it's like a little barn or something that he lived in. Um, out in the country, he would do mass for people. His sister stayed with him, and he uh, he told his sister to to leave. Um, I don't know where where she went and anything, but shortly thereafter, a bunch of bunch of uh, 
government soldiers came in and shot and killed Father Trebio Romo. And he was canonized by um, uh, St. Pope John Paul II. Um, and one of his relics has been installed inside of the altar at the Cathedral of the Blessed Sacrament. Many of his relatives live in Sacramento. Uh, so there's a, there's a real connection there. And he is considered the patron saint of immigrants. There is a story of, it's happened more than once, uh, these are anecdotal stories, so take them uh, as you will, but there are stories of, of people immigrating um, in the United States from Mexico, and um, on the way in, they uh, they run out of water, um, food, doesn't look like they're going to make it, and a young man appears and helps them make it all the way into the U.S. And later, uh, when they see a picture of Trebio, Father Trebio Romo, they identify him as the man who helped them. Um, so, take it as you will. Um, but that's that's the story. Oh my gosh. And, um, yeah, so grew up with him and um, so knowing the, the ties that the cathedral has with him also was like a big thing. Sure, so I always, sure. It's always, even though I was never involved with the cathedral, um, I always like, there was always something about it that always really drew me and I really yeah. loved about it. Yeah. But then it wasn't, it wasn't until um, my mom got invited to go do, so um, again, the Romos, I'm related to the Romos. So uh, Monica Romo, was doing service with the cathedral, and she invited my mom, and then my mom invited me, and it was kind of, I just moved back into town, and I was looking for stuff to do, and I, you know, didn't really have anything going on, but I just moved here, you know, as I like to say, between employment, mm -hmm. uh, and um, so I came to the, do service at the cathedral, and that's where I met T.T. T.T. is one of the regular... Uh folks at the cathedral. She is one of the marriage coordinators. Um, she has a lot of jobs there at the cathedral. One of them is to help produce uh, our live streaming. She was doing that uh, before um, the outbreak of the virus on Sundays. And now that the virus has hit and we're all at home, um, she is helping to produce the live streaming so that folks at home can um, still participate um, in the Mass and in services. So that's who she is, and I interviewed her. Um, her interview um, should appear on the 6th of May. So that's something to look forward to. And uh, it started with TT, where I kind of was like, hey, TT, you know, I'm looking to get more involved in um, the church, and uh, I don't really have much to do right now, so here's my phone number, and... That was your first you know, mistake. It's funny because that is literally what every person has said when I tell that story. <laughs> and that is what every person who was present said when I, the word for word. It was funny because I said, yeah, and TT, here's my number. Um, so just reach out to me if you need anything. And it, everyone freezes and like turns. <laughs> and it was funny because I remember Ruben kind of looked at me and was like, oh, oh, you shouldn't have done that. 
Exactly. <laughs> Even she kind of looks stunned and she's like, are you sure you want me to have this? I'm oh, like, dear. I don't see what the issue is. And the rest yeah. is history. And so the rest is history. Yeah. And now, now I'm kind of the, uh, <laughs> the stray dog of the cathedral popping up everywhere. Something like that, huh? The mascot, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Did you um have you ever, did you ever find employment in Sacramento? Um, nothing permanent. Nothing super permanent yet. A lot of temporary kind of stuff I've mm-hmm. been just doing. Um, my degree is in mechanical engineering. Okay. So I've been so I've been looking for kind of stuff with the state, but it just takes forever. It does. So. It does. And yeah, and you got to put out like massive amount of resumes. But you know, mm-hmm. there's a so, lot of you know, there's a lot of people at the cathedral that were, that got in with the state after a lot of hard work, um, mm-hmm. you know, putting out the resumes, putting in the applications all over the place, um, and right now it everything's on hold, so um, nobody's working. Well, hardly anybody's working, even if they have a well, job. Well, that's that's what's been interesting um, for me is what this whole crisis is kind of done to my life in a way where I think, um, and it's funny because my spiritual director has kind of said this to me and a lot of people who are very close to me that are very spiritually, um, in tune, um, have kind of taught, mentioned this to me is like, it feels like because of what's happened where I'm, I just moved here from Portland, like, you know, in the last six months and kind of still looking for a job and, not really having much to do other than applying for jobs and helping out at the cathedral. It's kind of like almost like I'm being forced into this reset kind of space. Mm-hmm. My life is radically different than it was in Portland. Oh, and so it's almost like God's kind of um, forcing me into this space where I need to just sit with, you know, all these changes and um, sit with what I'm feeling my life turning towards and kind of just wrestling with, you know, kind of like a Jacob wrestling with that angel. Just in case you're not familiar with the story of Jacob and the angel, I'm going to read it to you. Uh, it's found in the uh, first book of the Bible in Genesis chapter 33. And many people say Jacob and the angel, but um, the scriptures never say it's an angel. Uh, they say it's a man. But uh, it's an extraordinary man. And uh, let me read you the story. That night, however, Jacob arose, took his two wives with the two maidservants and his eleven children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he got them and brought them across the wadi, and brought over what belonged to him, Jacob was left there alone. Then a man wrestled with him until the break of dawn. When the man saw that he could not prevail over him, he struck Jacob's hip at its socket, so that Jacob's socket was dislocated as he wrestled with him. The man then said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. What is your name? the man asked. He answered, Jacob. Then the man said, You shall no longer be named Jacob, but Israel, because you have contended with divine and human beings and have prevailed. Jacob then asked him, 
Please tell me your name. He answered, Why do you ask me for my name? With that, he blessed him. Jacob named the place Peniel, because I have seen God face to face, he said, yet my life has been spared. And so it's funny because I've really been fighting that of like, I don't want to just sit, you know, and then now, now all I have, all I can do is just sit. True. And so the other thing that was kind of frustrating is right before the quarantine, I was sick. And so I wasn't able to go run. And then as I was recovering, it was raining a lot. So it hasn't been until, I don't know, it just feels like it was all the nice days that were out. I wasn't feeling well. And then when I was like going out to run, it would start raining. And so I've been very stir crazy. You're the second person that I, I know that got sick before all this happened. And I think one of the, one of the cool thing, being sick is never cool, but there is a cool aspect to it in, in that because you were sick, it kept you at home and you weren't as exposed to any potential infection of the virus. Like the rest of us who are out and about and doing and being in contact with a lot of people, you just weren't. And and in a sense, you, it was a protection of, of sorts. So, and now this whole thing is hit, you know. That's how mm-hmm. I look at it. That anyway. is, that's a very positive way to look at it. Um, well, I try to do that. Like yeah, that's my thing. <laughs> that's my thing, you know. Well, good, good. Good. That's good. We, we need more people in the world that have that as their thing. So this whole, you know... Millennial, Boomer, Gen X, Gen, you know, whatever. It's hard for me uh-huh. to figure out. I'm so old. So um, <laughs> I'm thinking you're probably Gen X. No, I am a millennial. You are a millennial. I'm the, yes, I'm on the bottom end of millennial. Okay, I can't ever tell. As an, yeah, I'm t- and I'm 25. Okay, okay. I was reading an article today, and the author was talking to a woman who. Uh, is expecting to give birth any time now. And they said they're going to start calling him Gen C for Corona. So all the babies... <laughs> uh, so this generation that's born around this time period, because this is a game changer, right? It is. It you, is. You know, so for um, some people, 9-11 was a big game changer. Um, mm-hmm. the, uh, the economic uh, crisis of 2008 was a game changer. And and I guess what what historians are saying is that when kids, the environment, the world, the kids grow up in affects them generationally, and I think oh, that's sure. how that's how they. So like the boomers, we were all post World War II babies, right? Mm-hmm. And I was near the tail end. Yeah. I was near the tail end of that, um, and and so we're you know we grew up with, you know, the United States was doing good and um, prosperous, and you know. Things weren't really expensive, and they were building homes and all these, you know, things. Uh, mm-hmm. But then people who grew up, on, you know, during during nine eleven, around nine eleven, that's when you know we got uh, um, uh, TSA at the airports. Um, we've got the Patriot Act. The world changed drastically. But people who, oh, you sure. know, if you go if you grow up with it, then it seems more like that's how the world is. It's like kids that grow up with um, smartphones, right? Mm-hmm. Sort of like they just yeah. naturally know how that all works and they're more social. And people in my generation, I mean, we grew up with, 
rotary phones, and if you weren't at home, you didn't get a phone call, you know. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So, so being, being a millennial, um, how do you – the world's never going to be the same after this is all put to bed, and it may be a while. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you able to make – see, me being retired, I don't make these types of plans, but – are you making plans for the for for you know what's going to happen afterwards or what what how what's your outlook on the future at this point? Well, um, to be honest, I'm I think for me part of kind of keeping my head on straight during all of this is trying not to have too many um, plans mm. um, because it is I mean that's the other thing is. It's really hard. Just like I, I know you mean kind of bigger picture plans, but even just like plan plans are really tough right now. Sure. I have a friend who's supposed to get married in June, and it's it's far enough where it might not be canceled, but it's close enough to be concerning. And so, sure. like even little plans like that are really stressful. I think for me right now, I am trying to take things one day at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's it's tough. I think. Um, a lot of people I know, particularly being a millennial that was living in Portland, Portland, which is like, you know, food and beer capital of the world right? in a lot of ways, um, a lot of the people there work in the service industry and work in food and work in retail um, because there's, I mean, that's just like one of the, the big hot thing in Portland is, is clothes and um, food and beer. And so for me, I'm seeing a lot of people I know getting fired i'm seeing a lot of people i know losing their businesses and all that and it's really sad and i think for me trying to think about what the world's going to look like after this can be really stressful in a way that isn't positive to um kind of being present day to day yeah that makes sense and so i think for for me the way i mean i was following so much on social media and following so much um in my in the in the kind of grand scale lives of people and seeing how much this is affecting people was just it was just too much I I it, it paralyzed me mm-hmm. so now I think for me I'm just trying to take one things one day at a time one one connection with a friend at a time one you know what am I going to do today right and that's been helping me be a lot more present to people that are going through things and that it's helped me be able to reach out to people that I know are kind of struggling and to be with them and to um, use this time a little more productively. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, good. I think that's, I think that's smart. I, you know, um, it's easy to, I, you know, I, I often think about people who, you know, they don't, they, you know, if you're working under the table, you know, you don't have mm-hmm. unemployment insurance. If you um, self-employed, you don't have unemployment insurance. Now, from the, what it sounds like, this $2 trillion package that um, just got signed by the president, uh, it sounds like there's money in there for people, even if you you know, if you know were self-employed. There's money in there for small businesses, mm-hmm. I think. Um, it all depends on when that money starts showing up. You know, hopefully, I, I know a lot of people, they've had to make negotiations with their, with their landlord or their mortgage holder you know, because they don't have an mm-hmm. income right now, and uh, I, yeah. I know some of the some of the policies our governor has instituted is is, is trying to help, and hopefully it will help. Uh, but I often 
I get concerned about people who really, I mean, this thing, whole thing caught everyone flat-footed and, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it is, it is concerning. So I think it's smart not to, not to spend too much time focusing on that because it can get a little bit, uh, I'll just use the word, it's a little depressing yeah. actually. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For so sure. What about, how's your, fo- how are your folks doing? Um, you know, they're, they're doing well. Um, we're very fortunate. They, uh, they're both, well, so my mom is now working from home mm-hmm. and then my dad is kind of between where he, uh, he primarily works from home, but he, he goes, he has to go in for, um, meetings every now and then. Um, since they both, they both work for the States, so a lot of that, so uh. I think they're, she's not so much, but he's kind of involved right now in the, the response to uh, everything mm-hmm. and so he's they're both they're both pretty busy pretty busy um but my mom also was kind of in my boat of being sick right as things happened okay and it was kind of it was kind of funny because um you know in our house we were kind of i don't think because she hadn't because i got you know again i'm not going out to events with people but sometimes you know, I'm the only one who's available to go grocery shopping and we have to go at a certain time so that, you know, things aren't crazy and that we're not, you know, around certain types of people who are at risk. And, um, and so I've seen, I've kind of gone outside for a couple emergency things and it's like, Oh wow, this is like, this is really a thing. You know, this is really scary. Kind of, I've seen in some of your Facebook posts, you talked about walking around outside in downtown and how it's just a barren kind of, no one out and so i've experienced that a little bit and my mom she you know she was kind of sick right as things turned Mm. where i got sick right or i got better right before they turned she was sick while it turned so she you know some of the stuff we were saying she was like gosh you guys are being so extra and so mean and then she um she got called in for an emergency for a meeting at work that she had to go in for and it was right after she had gotten better and she came back and she's like I'm so sorry for any time I, oh. <laughs> I was like, offended by, by yeah. how you guys were treating my sickness. And she's like, now that I've seen what it's like out there, it's, she's like, I realized that I had just been in denial of how big of a deal this was. It's something, so, you know, it, it, it's something. But yeah. It's like, it's like, you know, going into a bunker, the world ends and you come back out and there's nobody, you know, mm, yeah. it's, 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 yeah. it's, it's a wild scene right now. You just have to have faith that, it, you know, it's going to take some time, but. Um, we'll be outdoors again. You know, it won't be the same. I don't know. You know, people, you know, you think about, you've got a virus here that you can be contagious and not know it. You can be contagious for a long time and not know it. Um, And so when all's said and done and we get back out and there's more socializing, are people going to be able to trust whether there's another virus brewing somewhere? You know, it's going to be interesting mm. to see. How, do we have like a a, vir- a virus PTSD kind of a response? It'd be very interesting to see how we how society begins to put itself back together after all this. Yeah, I agree. It's been kind of interesting actually because I've ha- I have a few thoughts on this. Um, particularly, I think for me, a lot of my experience um, during this crisis, I've been really throwing myself. Um, into faith and into the kind of virtual Catholic scene right now. And I've been really 
inspired to see how quickly I've seen um, a lot of the young adults I know who are Catholic, a lot of just organi- all these Catholic things, they've been so quick to mobilize in the mm. virtual space mm-hmm. um, with live stream. Like, every, almost every parish is doing live streaming mass. Many of them are doing Vespers and Lauds. Um, many of them are doing virtual Bible stuff. Like, that's just... It's funny because it's like almost there was a moment like a week or two ago where all every Catholic in the world had like the same idea of what to do. And we all just started doing it. Wow. And so it's funny because it's a little oversat. Like, um, I don't know if you saw, but I wrote an article about, you know, eight things that you can do while stuck. At yeah, home. So, I remember that article. And um, it was funny because I wasn't seeing anything like that. And I wrote it and then I posted it and then I started looking online. And I was like, oh, wow, it seems like everyone had the same idea same yesterday idea. because now there's there's like a million of these articles but i think it's a beautiful thing i think it's really cool that um the the catholic scene is like uh who is it? i was talking to someone i said catholic catholicism has never been so visible hmm. to people who are not practicing mm-hmm. where like we are all over facebook we're all over and i can't do anything without something popping up on my phone that there's a live mass or a live something and i think it's really cool um, and I was talking about this though with, uh, so, so bright side is that, um, I've never, it's funny, you know, as separated as everything is, I've never felt so connected because now, right? Like I'm talking to you, we're in the same city, but it's just as easy now for me to talk to anybody from across the country and make this time because now the social time is virtual. It's on our phone. Right. And so. I think it's really cool. I've never, there's so many people, like you talked about talking to someone the other day who you haven't talked to in 40 years. I think for me, I'm talking to all these people from college, people from Portland, people who live in New York and all over the world that I just have not had time for, but now I feel connected to them. So that's the positive. What I hope happens is that when this is over, we can kind of um, integrate what we've kind of learned of how to use this technology to really bring people together. I hope we're able to integrate it, but there is the cynical part of me that's worried that we're going to now be super paranoid about physical contact Mm -hmm. and we're going to lean too hard onto virtual stuff. But to be honest, I think maybe that's, again, I, I think that it's going to be an integration is my hope, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. we'll see. We'll see. I think it would be really cool to see us, um, as Catholics move out of this, where um, we are kind of renewed in our evangelical spirit, because we've all really now had to take the time to really get our virtual streaming and putting things out there skills. Mm-hmm, we've had mm-hmm. to strengthen those. There's so many people who've been writing blogs that have never written blogs before. So. I know. I'm still waiting for Vicky to write one. Today is April 10th. And Vicky's blog has appeared on the Cathedral Young Adults website. So we've waited a while for it, and there it is. And she did a great job. Um, and she didn't need to be pestered to do it. So that's pretty cool. Um, now I, I, I don't get to see her and pressure her anymore, so I don't know what we're going to do. But, um, mm. you, you know, I think it's going to be, you know... Uh, your generation and younger generation, it's probably going to have to lead uh, the way there. People, I've discovered, there are, especially people in my generation, they're intimidated by technology. Mm-hmm. And even though it's, it's, 
if you apply yourself, it's not that difficult to learn, but it's so intimidating. Mm-hmm. It's intimidating, and they've convinced themselves that they can't figure it out. Um, that it's really going to be the younger people to really be the vanguard as to using that technology to, you know, in a, in a way, put Humpty Dumpty back together again. <laughs> so, I, I agree with you, and you're right about the Catholic presence. It's um, uh, it's larger than it's been, and I think people tend to, are are becoming a little bit more vocal too about their faith and sharing how their faith is getting them through these times. You know, and for sure, for sure. Think about generations back before technology. If if something like this, like even the Spanish flu, you know, and you don't have the ability to connect with people or stay connected or check in with people so as easily, it would be a whole different experience if we didn't have the technology that we have right now. Oh, for sure, for sure. I feel you know, there are times where it feels very providential that. Um, we are in this space of kind of, you know, if something like this had to happen in the history of our country, um, you know, that it's happening in a time where we have more tools than ever to stay connected without, you know, being physical in a way that is possibly mm-hmm. dangerous to someone else. Mm-hmm. So it's it's been a big, bright spot. I think it's just been cool, you know, for me uh, to you know, do small groups and, uh, for, so there's another parish that I help out at in addition to the cathedral. And so the other night I was just leading like a youth group on social, you know, through zoom uh-huh. and it was such a mess, but it was also kind of ridiculous. I was just like, this is so weird, you know, that I'm right. cool, but weird. And keep our sense of humor about it too. You know, when it's weird, make it funny. I mean, I think. Oh, oh, we were right. So if you can bring bringing hum, bringing humor into any of this, I think is beneficial for all of us. Just to remain, just bring in that lightness. You know, it's 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 a heavy thing, but if we can bring lightness to it, it's a good thing. You know, I was talking to just sure. to, to change to change subjects a little bit here. Um, mm-hmm. I know for myself, and for, I was talking to another person, how important it has been to. Um, structure a d- the day to to maintain some form mm-hmm. of structure. Oh, yeah. um, have you been able to do that for yourself, or have you seen that as important? Oh, I see that as like step one that all of us should be doing. Um, and so, I've I've been pretty good about setting a structure for myself. Now I just need to get better at following it. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, implementation is everything. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So I have my structure. I don't, necessarily, I don't necessarily do it every day, um, but I'm getting there. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so it's been good, though. So uh, fortunately, so one of my Lenten penances that I was doing for Lent before any of this was trying to be better about praying some of the liturgy of the hours every day, mm-hmm. the um, morning and evening prayers. And so... Um, that was nice because right off the bat, when this first, when everything first hit the fan, as they say, mm-hmm. um, I at least had that basic of like, okay, well, I know for sure, like in the morning when I wake up, I'm going to be praying and then 6 PM, whatever I'm doing, I'm going to be praying. Um, so that was helpful. And then, um, and I guess for me, my, my schedule is structured around prayer. So that's, I think that's why that's kind of the first thing I mentioned is, um, literally the hours. And then I had a friend reach out who got a group together where we all watch um, Bishop Barron's daily mass mm-hmm. first thing in the morning. So that's been nice. It's given me something early, you know, to wake up early for. So sure. 
7 a.m. I'm up and doing daily mass. Basically, I'm just structuring time. It's kind of like giving my, making sure I have time for reading and time to connect with people. I think um, you said you've been doing interviews every day, and I think for me, and I don't have a podcast, but in a sense, I've been you know every day trying to reconnect with at least one person. Sure. Um, sometimes multiple people. So I've been doing that. And uh, just trying to make time for writing and time to manage the blog. You know, one of the things about um, doing this, these these interviews is I have to go back into them, right, and edit them and mix them for sound quality. And I've discovered there are, there are moments in the interview where I want to provide some commentary, so I'll add to mm-hmm. it and put in post production. But in doing all of mm-hmm. that, I'm revisiting the conversation. And I will probably mm. I will probably listen to the same conversation half a dozen times. And it, it, oh wow! It, and it's really remarkable because it takes me right back to the original conversation. It puts the person in the room with me, um, mm. and then it, it's it's a it's just a, a strange feeling. It's, I don't know how to describe it, but it's a good it's a good strange feeling. One of the things that I'm enjoying about this part of it's selfish is just reaching out and connecting with someone, and. Uh, not just, you know, because oftentimes uh, we can talk with each other and really mm-hmm. not go anywhere with it. Never really get past some just superficial, how you doing, what's going on. But to talk about, you know, this is an opportunity for me anyway to really dive a little bit deeper into what's happening for me and why am I responding the way I am and memories and wanting to get to know a, a person like yourself. I. Like we've never, we have actually never sat down and talked. I don't think ever. No, we this is not. the first time. I'm getting to know you, and I think it's pretty remarkable. And I'm I'm sad that it took something like this to make it happen, but uh, it's another blessing that's come out of this whole situation. Yes, definite silver lining. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I think I think there's a lot that you I, I agree with there. I think there's something about the kind of uh, this, like, I know this isn't FaceTime, but the kind of FaceTime thing of um, not just talking on the phone, but also just like having to look at the other person, you know, right. There's something to that where there's people I've been reconnecting with where like, you know, usually we'll be on the phone. It's just like, Oh, what's up? You know, how you doing? How's, how's your life going? But now it's like, okay, well, you know, I could be doing a 10 million things while I'm on the phone with you. You know, I could be folding laundry. I could be, um, you know, Surf on the web, right. not that I, not that I do, but of course you know, not. In theory, of course where, not. Yeah, no. Perf- I I stare at the blank screen when I'm talking. To- no, you have a hundred percent, hundred percent attention all you know all the time. Yes, that's the victory I would promise. But, um, <laughs> uh, but with you know this kind of format, it's like I can't you know not that I want not that I want to, but I, you're you're kind of forced to really just be present with that person in right. this conversation, right? And it's really cool. It's really cool to see the fruit that's come from that. And uh, definitely, definitely feeling some of that fruit right now to be able to do this interview. I totally agree. There's not much of a greater gift that you can give to a person than being present with them. You're really being present, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's something that, mm-hmm. um, our, you know, especially in the, the U.S. and our society and culture, it's sort of set up to not do that. We're busy people. Um, we're private people. Uh, you know, our, someone says, how you doing? First thing you say is fine, even if it's not, right? Because the idea is, mm-hmm. well, they don't, they don't mm-hmm. want to hear what's going on with me. And that may be actually yeah. true. 
right? They're just being polite. Yeah. But in, in this format, you know, we're engaged with each other. I'm not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. If I was playing with my phone right now, you'd know, you know, so <laughs> yeah. that would be pretty obvious pretty fast. So I think I think it's uh it's a it's an aspect of humanity that I was probably missing before this which is I think we're we're we're, yeah. we're learning it how we're learning how to do something that I think our ancestors did better at you know but we're learning yeah. we're learning oh. we we are learning I think that's really I think it's I think for me what I've been most touched by is I'm like there's so much I can do with technology that I didn't even realize you know like mm-hmm. there's just so much and it's I think Again, this is a very serious crisis, but again, silver lining is like we are, as a society, are really being forced to like sit down and figure out, okay, what can we do? With it? We have all this technology. We've never been forced to kind of sit down and figure it out. So right. let's sit down and figure it out. There's a lot of things we've never had to sit down and figure out. One of the things that this crisis has done is it has really highlighted areas in our society where we have major gaps in the common good and the general welfare, taking care of people when, when there's something like this. We, we just didn't have that. We were, we were focused on, you know, whether it was money and employment. We just, the assumption is it's always going to be there. And this was a major mm-hmm. wake-up call that says it might, not, it might not always be there, you know, and right oh, now it's not sure. there, right? Not to t- and so we don't take mm-hmm. it for granted, and, and maybe some of our society will get a little restructured, and we'll start looking at looking at life from the eyes of the common good, rather than the eyes of what's in what's in it for me. You know, right? For sure, for sure. I think um, it's really interesting how much I, <laughs> this is. Um, you know, there's a lot of jokes and memes on the internet about this, but how much we've learned that you know we. I think before this, it's been easy for a lot of people, I mean, even myself included, to sometimes get this mentality that, you know, every man is an island. And in some sense, we are. But with this crisis, I think it's making us realize, like, okay, there are some things where we really, it it really matters what's going on with other people and the welfare of other people. Because, you know, maybe, maybe I'm taken care of, but someone who's not taken care of or someone who's, you know, kind of marginalized what happens to them affects everybody, right. you know? And, and again, I think as, as, as Christians, right, I believe we're like, even if it were true that nothing that happened to anyone else would affect me financially or health, you know, health wise, I guess, medically or, um, finance, I don't know which ones I said, but even if that were true, we are called to really, you know, it does matter to us because we're all united by Christ. But I think for a lot of people who maybe don't have that mentality, uh, this gives a great example of, of yeah, it matters. You know, we, we are we are as good as the less the, the least of our society because mm-hmm. what happens to them, what happens, it matters for everybody. Yeah, and I think it, I we all got to see that when the whole hoarding thing with the toilet paper and the hand sanitizer and it's you know the idea of I want I need it for me, but that means someone else doesn't get it. Right, someone's going to go without mm-hmm. because you've taken more than you needed, and I, a lot of people saw that, and that lesson I think it was driven home to more people than it had before. Um, and you know, it's uh, it's that whole being able being able to understand the individual, but not individualism. 
right? I'm an indiv- mm, I'm an indiv- yeah. I'm an individual in a civilization. I'm an individual in a collective. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not just a cog in the wheel, but I'm a part of that wheel. I'm an individual in the wheel. You know, and and being able to yeah. express you know the potential that God has given me as an individual, but then have it integrate with what's best for everybody, what's good for everybody, and working inter- interdependently like that, interconnectedly. And that, that's uh, one of the mm, great, yeah. great lessons that we're having to learn the hard way. Yeah, and it's <laughs> it's kind of funny. I'm smiling as you say this because you say that, and you know what I'm. I'm instantly thinking of um, you know not just society, but that great reflection that you wrote, The Door, about us never being alone right. because of, you know, our connection with the church. And it's so funny because I, I think you summed it up pretty well that in that article, but then also just now of that mentality that, you know, again, we as Catholics, that's, that's, that's our worldview, you know? Our worldview is that we are, we are an individual in the sense that there's something that we individually contribute to this greater thing mm-hmm. and um again not a cog in a wheel but more of this individual irreplaceable unique piece in something bigger we are called to this freedom of individuality within a body you know of christ mm-hmm. um but but you know what what happens to everybody ha- matters to us you know what happens to these individuals matters to us because right. it's all one body. And so I think it's interesting seeing the world kind of learn that lesson, but particularly because we live in a world right now where it is completely individualistic of, you know, I need to do what's best for me. Right. And if I can, if I can be, you know, being caring for others means kind of, um, like I'm not going to like be too rude to people while I'm being my own self. Um, I, Sorry, I, I, I'm also a little opinionated when it comes to that that culture of individualism of, mm. you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to do my thing. Right. And you can't tell me anything else because right. you it doesn't matter to you. Where, again, Catholic mindset is like, no, what happens to you, what you do with your life does matter to me because I'm, I believe that you're completely precious and, and, and valuable and a blessing to the world. And so it matters to me that, that you're okay and that you're taking care of yourself and that, you know, right. You're taken care of. Even though that's the Catholic mindset, I still, I think that there's some Catholics that have to learn that, you know, I, Mm. I, um, uh, just by observing people and talking to people, um, there are some, I mean, even though that's, that's our mindset. It's the Christian mindset. It's not just probably Catholic. It's a lot of Christian oh, yeah. Christian churches would understand that concept completely. Um, oh, but of course. but there are uh, there are a lot of people that, that that really I don't think were able to put that into practice. They might get it, but that's not how they lived. And now we're being mm. now we're being asked to live it, and which is a yeah, this is a whole different thing than thinking about it, right? Oh, of course, yeah. of course, yeah. I think that's I think that's, that's valid, and um, I will say, for me, kind of a little bit of a tangent, but um, I will say the one part of it that I do think is individually Catholic, and and I guess there's you know all kinds of Catholic is um, 
our communion of saints that we have with us mm-hmm. that we believe are actively intercessing and actively with us. And I think that's another kind of beautiful thing that I've personally been leaning into um, in this kind of period of isolation. And um, that is a very special aspect of the Catholic faith. Definitely. Very important mm-hmm, part of the mm-hmm. Catholic and faith. And so I, and I think so for me when I, and, and I, and I, and I want to clarify my own comments. Um, and so when I was using the term Catholic, I think, because for me, um, I, well, the, you know, third of that body that I speak of is the church triumphant, which mm-hmm. is the body of saints that are, you know, yes. taking care of us and actively wanting to be in our lives. So, because I am, I am very sensitive, you know, I have so many very close friends of mine who are, who are Christian. And I know sometimes, um, I like to clarify because some comments I make sometimes they're like, Oh, well, we do that too. And I'm like, Oh yeah, of course, of course. And, but you know, my mentality, so you understand why the comment came out the way it did, but whatever denomination you are, whatever denomination a person is, they usually frame what they're talking about in that context of their denomination or if it's mm-hmm. non-denominational, their church or whatever. I think that's natural and normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it, I think it, you know, there's a part of the Catholic history um, where they thought that they were the only real Christians. And um, mm-hmm. Vatican II uh, opened the door to explain that um, it is our baptism that unites us across the board um, and not an affiliation with any particular church that creates that oneness. And um, so that's mm-hmm. why I, I, I try to remember to almost always say I'm a Catholic Christian, mm-hmm. you know, rather, mm-hmm. than, rather than just a Catholic, because um, Catholic, to me, Catholic is uh, how I express my Christianity and what I believe. But being a Christian transcends that in a lot of ways. That's for that's me. Anyway. Mm. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and I think it's. It's interesting for me um, coming to the space and uh, just from what I've heard about you, I've heard, you know, I think I think I, I, I believe you mentioned in your podcast just kind of your journey to Catholicism was a long one too, right? Yes, yes. I was telling the, uh, this, this guy that I talked to, um, he and I went to a church uh, when we were in uh, college together um, mm-hmm. and he still uh, is a Christian going to church and um, I got into it a little bit because there were many years where I dropped out of the Christian scene um, and mm-hmm. I was talking to him about it and eventually I'm going to get around to uh, doing a whole other series of podcasts about my journey and it's going mm-hmm. to be the working title is Chasing After God um, mm. you know so and the more I think about it I just have done all kinds of crazy things. Uh, and I, I, I'm in mm-hmm. the, the one podcast that's going to be coming out on, I think it's the 4th of April. Um, I talk a little bit about the journey, just briefly about a person that crossed my path who was a Cherokee shaman. Um, that was an interesting episode all by itself. But, uh, mm. you know, and so I have, I have... You know, it's it's interesting how we all bring something that's our unique, what, whatever it is. And for me, a lot mm-hmm. of it is the fact that I didn't grow up Catholic. You know, I became a Catholic in my mm-hmm. fi- in my fifties. So I, 
I, I bring a whole uh, wealth of, of different experiences that someone who grew up in the church doesn't have, which I, mm-hmm. ha- I have to sometimes check myself because what I'm learning or hearing or reading gets filtered through these other things. And then I have to, I have to really check myself. Okay. Is that, I need, you know, am I thinking, is my thinking in line with what the church teaches Mm. or have, or have I, have I drifted off into the land of, of heterodoxy? Heresy. Well, I didn't want to say (laughs) heresy, which is why I said heterodoxy, but, uh, you know, I was, uh, yeah, and so many, so many people have. I mean, um, uh, Origen was got in trouble with the oh, church. Yeah. He was one of the, he was one of the early church fathers. Tertullian, yeah, you know, yeah, big guys, yeah, big guys. Meister, Meister um, Eckert, or yeah, Meister Eckert, a mystic who got in trouble with the church. And it's like it's because I mean, with Tertullian, he definitely got into some heresy stuff. Um, these other guys were misunderstood by the people who were watching out after true doctrine. And they got, you know, mm-hmm. Origen has never been brought back in, but Meister Eckhart, he, they brought him back in. They, I think they excommunicated him mm-hmm. for a while, and then he came back in or something. But, yeah, any one of us can, you know, if we start thinking about something and we are, we're, we're bringing extra material to it, it may or may not be in line. One of the nice things that you know came out of Vatican II was the idea that truth anywhere is truth. Truth yeah. anywhere yeah. is truth. Um, we just need to be discerning and yeah, yeah. I agree. I think um, one of the most beautiful things uh, I remember reading. So, major part of my reversion back into Catholicism was C.S. Lewis's *Mere Christianity*. Oh yeah, that's a um, tough book. Actually. I mean, if yeah, I, I, I mean, if I had to, like, if I had to name one book that is the reason that I'm a, a Christian again, it is that book. Um, it was just funny because I had so many hangups and issues and I, I picked up that book and I started reading it and it was like, wow, this is, this book feels like it was written for me in every hmm. issue I had with. <laughs> wow. And so it was really beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I've always, just, it was, it was on a retreat. Um, when I was kind of at my wit's end and it was actually almost a year ago. Um, it was April 4th. Wow. I'm, I'm in the middle of an interview right now. Sorry about that little interruption. No, it's okay. Um, so that's life. <laughs> so yeah, it is. I, hey, that's especially, uh, <laughs> life of cooped up with the coronavirus. <laughs> but, um, so, uh, what was he saying? Um, oh yeah. So almost a year ago, April 4th was my reversion date. It was just a very big day where I kind of, the, and it was funny because I'm laughing because I'm like a year ago this week was like kind of the worst week of my life. Wow. And um, yeah, and so I kind of just snuck away on this retreat and I didn't take much with me. And one of the few things I took was Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. I'd never read it. I think I did. I, had, I was supposed to read it for a class. And I never okay. But I had it. So I took it and I read it and it felt like, it was crazy. The way I describe it is it felt like, C.S. Lewis like took me by the hand and led me back to God through this book. And the thing I loved about the book, to kind of get back on what I, my point, because I can get lost very easily if you haven't <laughs> realized yet, but um, is uh, what he describes in that book is he talks about Christianity as this hallway, 
And he says, you get into the hallway and there's all these different doors, which are the different denominations. And he's like, you know, you come into Christianity, you can't stay in that hallway. You do have to find a door. But when you decide which door you enter, don't think which one of these is a good fit for me. Think which one of them with my own personal experience and everything I've done, everything I've read, everything I learned, which one seems the most true, you know, which one has the most truth to it. And I thought that was such a beautiful, such a beautiful way of um, kind of getting someone to think about that wow. and kind of this, this way of wrapping my brain around, okay, so there's all these different denominations and throughout history, we've fought and died and killed each other oh, over yeah. these very important differences. So how is there, you know, how can we have this history? And like, there's things that we say that, you know, to our Protestant brothers and sisters sounds outrageously wrong. Right. Right. And right. I would say for them back to us. And so it's like, how do we, how do we wrap our brain around a God who we are all these denominations, we're all worshiping and, and following him in some radically inconsistent ways. And I think C.S. Lewis in that passage helped me wrap my brain around it. Very cool. Of, of this idea of like, okay, there's these doors. And in my own, my own knowledge, my own experience, this one, like for me, it was the Roman Catholic door, which for me is, is true in my experience. And I just have to understand that, that, as Christians, right, we're called to continuously learn more about God, to get closer to him. And so my belief is that as one gets closer, you know, in our own ways, we're drawn to to one of these denominations. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and again, not to, you know, I have a lot of, I think there's so many amazing things about some really awesome uh, Protestants that I know. But I think it's interesting to see a lot of really big Catholics started as Protestants who just continued to learn. And again, I don't want to put this implication. I know there's all these quotes and sometimes Catholics can get a little uh, arrogant saying, oh, you know, Here's careful it. studying history, Protestants, because you'll become a you know, Catholic. And I don't, want to, I don't want to come off that way. It's called triumphalism. And something mm-hmm. that the Vatican Fathers warned the church against is to not go mm-hmm. there, just to not go there. And, you know, honestly, there are, I know Protestants that are better followers than, than, of Christ than some, some Catholics I know. Yeah, we've got it. We've got a couple. We've got a couple minutes left here. We've been talking almost an hour. Okay. Can you believe it? Wow, it's gone fast. No, it does not feel like it's been that long. No, I'm looking at. I'm looking at my recorder, and the time elapsed time is 58 minutes, 58 and a half minutes. Mm. What are you gonna do the rest of your day? Rest of my day, let me think. Um, probably gonna try and spend time with my family. I think that's one of the things that I've been discerning is is, you know, I'm making a lot of time for. Uh, the church, mm-hmm. and that's good, and that's that's that is what fills me. Is it, um, you know, sometimes the some people can make comments about like you know you can tell them that you don't want to do that. And I was like, well, no, I love I love it. You know, mm-hmm. That's what fills me up. But um, I do realize that I need to you know right now, particularly because we're all home as a family. I'm called to be a be a good member of this family, and so mm-hmm. I want to. So I plan to spend time with the family today, um, do some blog stuff. And uh, kind of kick it with God. So you're, you're not you're not in an apartment by yourself. You're with your family. No, yeah, I'm, I'm with my family. Oh, sweet. With my family. That's it's, nice. Yeah, very. We're, I I keep joking that I have to remind myself it's a blessing. <laughs> yeah, it's mixed blessing. Yeah, it's a mixed yeah. blessing. I'm sure you can get on each yes. other's nerves pretty easily, but oh, yes, um, yes. but you do have each other, and that's important. Yeah, very blessed. That's great. Very blessed. 
Victor, thank you for spending this hour with me and talking. I've got to know you a little bit better, um, uh, which to me is great. And I'm looking forward to being able to work with you once we're once we're able to get back out and and actually, you know, do things. I'm looking yeah. for I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, me as well. Me as well. I I think uh, I really appreciate you you bringing me on. Um, I think there's there's a lot of trust there because could have gone off the deep end on something and then you, you know you got all this footage of stuff that's a little crazy. But thank you for the time. I'm glad to build some rapport with you, Chris. So I can't. I mean, I can't wait for the second interview, man. I feel like it's going to get get deep. It could. Now that we kind of we have we we broke the surface. I feel like now we. we we broke the surface and we kind of we kind of have some like I know there's lots of things I'm like man okay I want to ask about that or I want to hear more about that no hopefully no I get no no you don't way. interview me see this is how this works I interview you oh okay 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 <laughs> no oh, not okay no it's a conversation it's a conversation yeah you'll find out once it once it uh, the episodes drop but I've added to the name of the the podcast it's uh, it's it's a lot longer. But it's it's like it goes like this. It's um, my life and welcome to it. Special series. It's not about me. It's about us. Oh, I love that. Yeah, thank you. So it is about us. You know, I I um, I've always intended to do interviews. I never intended to do it so so soon. But uh, the people in my life are part of my life, and so my life is not just me. It's everybody. So, yeah. I, 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 again, That's I appreciate true. this, and um, and we'll be in touch. And I love you, brother. And, uh, all right. Love you as well. Hope right. you're doing well. Pray for me. I always, always, always. Always uh, praying for you, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. Actually, you're on my, you're on my list. I, I pray for you every day. Buddy. I'm on your list, huh? You're on my <laughs> list, yeah, because I worry, I worry about now. You worry about me because I'm so crazy people that I'm like. Oh, I'm so crazy. <laughs> Poor Chris. He's so crazy. I need to pray for him. All right, my friend. I'll talk to you soon. All right. God bless you. All right. God bless you. Have a blessed day. You as well. All right. Bye, Chris. Bye-bye. My Life and Welcome to It is written and produced by me, Chris Jensen. Technical consultant is David Patterson of Drowning Man Productions. You can catch David on the podcast Wasting All the Time, where he, with three others, will entertain you with their improvisational comedy. Podcast art provided by Dave Edwards. You can follow Dave on Instagram at EvilDaveTM. Music for my life and welcome to it is Night by Ixon. That's I-K-S-O-N. And is available on SoundCloud. More information can be found in the program notes. Thanks always to Anchor for providing free hosting. You can visit their website at anchor.fm. Well, that's all for now. Be safe, be well, and God bless.